Good morning, Hopevale. Will you please stand to your feet and join us as we worship this morning? so glad that you have joined us today. Aren't you glad to know that Jesus is on his throne, that he is our king, and, and no matter what happens today, tomorrow, Tuesday, he is still on his throne. Amen? 
Would you please take a moment, greet someone around you, and encourage them with that fact this morning? Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We have an awesome morning planned, and there are several people who are going to step into the waters of baptism to express to us their desire to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives and their commitment to him. And uh, so we're going to hear a lot of stories from a lot of people, and uh, I'm really excited about each and every one of these stories. So we're going to start off this morning with Aiden. Hi, my name is Aiden. I am seven years old. I started to know about Jesus because I came to church with my mom and dad. I continued to learn more about Jesus through church and asked him to be my forever friend when I was five years old at Bible camp. I want to be baptized because I love Jesus. Awesome. Well, Aiden, I'm going to ask you two questions, okay? Um, are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Love that. And is it your desire to follow him the rest of your life? Yes. All right. Based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? You can leave it. Hello, I'm Deborah Allen. When I first invited Jesus into my life, I was 13 years old. I was baptized when I was an infant as a Catholic. And since that time, I have grown over through the online ministries of Pastor Greg Laurie, Raul Reese, Rick Warren, Greg Locke, and Family Life Radio, as well as Pastors Dan and Ken here at Hopeville. Today, many years later, I am accepting his amazing grace by publicly being baptized. I trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ alone for my salvation. Thanks to my family for inspiring me to grow. Deborah, I'm going to ask you the same two questions. Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him the rest of your life? Yes. Well, based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hi, I'm Kelly Stenay. When I was 13, I was at a Baptist church when the pastor invited all to come forward if you wanted to ask Jesus into your heart. I felt led to do this and was saved. Since then, I've had some ups and downs in my journey with God, and I feel like I need a renewal of spirit and a fresh start with God. Well, Kelly, I'm gonna ask you the same two questions. Maybe. That's good. 
Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him the rest of your life? Yes. Well, based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My name is Sandy Hartwig, and I went through a difficult time in my life, but through that, God worked to bring me back to him. Last year, I accepted Jesus as my Savior and was born again. God continues to work in my life, blessing me with wonderful people that encourage me to grow in my faith in him. My life isn't perfect, but it's so much better knowing that God is with me along my journey. Sandra, we're really excited for you, so I'm asking the same two questions. Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes, it is. Well, based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to say hi, and my name is Jim Crapel, and this is a great day for me. Laurel, my wife, and I have been married 49 years and three months. I am 71 years old, and my story is a lot longer than what this 4x6 card can hold. <laughs> but let me give you the best effort I can to condense, give you a condensed version baptism class was very helpful. It, uh, we studied uh, scriptures and individuals in the Bible that uh, before they knew Christ and after they knew Christ and the difference in their lives. And we were asked to put together a scenario that would reflect that in our own testimony. So let me start by giving you the most current status. Laurel and I have my wife have been unbelievably blessed. I claim Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am thankful for his grace and truth. I've been blessed with an incredible, caring helpmate, my wife. We have two children, both married, both with wonderful, wonderful spouses. We have two grandchildren. I was blessed with gainful employment and now a good retirement. God has revealed to Laurel and myself miracles which I give thanks for every day. Now I want to go back. It sounds like uh, my first statements there were all uh, a terrific, wonderful life, and uh, but I want you to know that I had several challenges growing up myself. Much of my younger years were spent angry with God, untrusting, and bitter. I grew up in a very loving family. I was the next to the youngest of five children. 
My younger brother was born in 1952 when his mom was in her 40s. My younger brother was born with Down syndrome. I was in the room when the doctor told my mom that he would not live for more than 25 years. In the 50s, 1950, children with severe handicaps were institution institutionalized. My parents made the decision to keep my brother at home for as long as they could. This was not the then norm. This was pre-Sesame Street. It was pre-Special Olympics. Community social understanding, to me, didn't seem to exist. Internally, I was very angry due to the pain and, and worry I witnessed at home and my, my wife-to-be while I was still in high school. We went to Arthur Hill. The year was 1960. She was my high, high school sweetheart. <clears throat> she accepted me with all my baggage and really took a caring for my younger brother. In 1967, we were married. Our daughter was born in 1971 and our son in 1978. Both have college degrees. In our earlier marriage, we, um, with our daughter Melissa, we tried attending various uh, churches. And um, I never really felt a place where I was touched. I remember telling my wife that I didn't want to just go play church. I wanted to learn something. I wanted to get some answers. We tried several different churches, but they all seemed empty of, the, of his presence. There was no connection. Our son, who is now a teenager, introduced us to a new church. I remember he was in a Christian band. He played the guitar. I remember the first sermon. The pastor started with these words. If you're here to play church, you're in the wrong place. It was like a lightning bolt hit me. I've been a Christian for 23 years now. Um, I realized that I need to be baptized. My parents, um, my brothers and sisters had documents that said they were baptized. I believe I was, but I never, I never found the documents. So here I am today. You know, his word says that he will use all things for good. Somehow, he, capital H, turned me totally around. The very issues that I felt were unfair and sources of my anger turned to be absolute incredible experiences that taught me about the value of life and compassion. The Bible says believe and be baptized. That's why I'm here today. For all of you that have many more years in front of you, and maybe your story hasn't started, 
let me say this to you. I don't know where you are in developing or realizing your story, but he will make it beautiful if you will confess, learn, study, obey, and most important, through trusting love, cooperate. Thank you. Amazing story. So let me ask you two questions, Jim. Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes, I am. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? I will. Yes. And then based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My name is Jordan Sand, and before being introduced to Hope Vale, I was heading down a dark path in life. I did things that I regret, but I have grown from those experiences and was blessed with a second chance. My relationship with Christ put me on the right path and has changed my whole life. He has taught me patience and has shown me love that I have never experienced before. I thought I knew what love was and what it felt like until one day during worship in the Dominican Republic, my body overwhelmed me with emotion, and I felt so much love overflow that I felt numb, and I knew that it was Christ showing me his true, unconditional love. Well, Jordan, it, uh, this feels like it's a long time coming, because yeah. we've been talking about baptism for a while now, but um, yeah, I'm excited about this day for you. So I'm going to ask you the same two questions. Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Well, based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. Good morning. Hi. My name is Susie Murday. I've been coming here for three years now. And I want, I feel closer to God. I want to walk with Jesus in my heart. I am very blessed to have three grandsons and my children. I was baptized when I was a child, not fully understanding what it meant. I have stronger faith now, and I want to be baptized again. I feel very blessed to have this day. I'm going to ask you the same two questions, okay? okay? Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? I am. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hi, my name is Adam Coynes. At my previous church, it was hard understanding the ways of Jesus and how they related to my life. I came to know and, un I came to know and trust Jesus as my Savior at winter retreat last year. 
I connected with Jesus like I had, never I had never before through the songs we sang and the sermons that were given. Since giving my life to Jesus, it has been very refreshing and joyful. I no longer try to avoid situations that make me uncomfortable, awkward, or angry. Now I see those as opportunities God is giving me to grow as a person. And the best part is, no matter what the outcome, it is so nice to know that Jesus will always love me. Thank you. Well, Adam, I'm going to ask you the same two questions. Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes, it is. Well, based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My name is Kamsey Wajay. I have two big brothers and one older sister. Our parents take us to church every Sunday. All my siblings are baptized. I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior in my room. Ever since, he has been so good to me. He has helped me to make good grades. I love Jesus because he has done so much for me. The Bible says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. The same two questions, okay? Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, my life was lonely. I played the church part, but other than that, I was selfish. I came to know and trust Jesus last year. Last winter retreat, Pastor Sam was talking, and there was a big pow moment in the room. It seems like the whole room felt God's love, and I was convinced then and there that I wanted to get baptized. Since giving my life to Jesus, it has been clear. The relationship between God and I is great, and I hope to continue to build it. Tori, I'm going to ask you the same two questions, okay? Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good. I think we ran out of water. Wasn't that tremendous? These incredible stories of Jesus Christ changing lives, and I'm so glad that we get to celebrate that together as a church family. Well, want to wish you a, uh, I don't know what, happy end of daylight savings? Uh, how does that work? I don't know. But it is November, and November means that we are less than two months away from Christmas, right? All right. Honest question, how many of you are already listening to Christmas music? Yes. See, there's always a few overachievers, you know, in the, in the group. Well, the reason I'm talking about Christmas is I want to let you know that we're doing something a little different this year for our Christmas services and want you to be aware of that. 
You know, we typically the last few years have had four services on Christmas Eve, but this year we are actually going to do five services spread over two days, right? And so as you can see on the slide here, we're going to have two services on Friday, uh, December 23rd at 5 and 7 p.m., and then we're going to do three services the next day, Christmas Eve day, on the 24th at 1, 3, and 5 p.m. We'll also have ministry for our younger children at each service as well. And I know that a lot of us make our plans. We're trying to figure out, you know, vacation, being with family, things like that. So I wanted to get this information to you ahead of time. We're going to talk more about it later on as we get closer to Christmas. But we're excited. We're excited because it's our opportunity, not just for those of us who call Hopevale their church home, but for family, for friends, for people in our community, we get to celebrate the greatest news ever, that Jesus Christ has come into this earth. And so we get to celebrate that. We're looking forward to these Christmas services. You can see the dates there, and we'll plan on doing that together and being together in just a couple months. So uh, with that in mind, as we continue to worship, I'm going to ask that the ushers come forward. We're going to take up our offering, which we view here as just another act of worship. This is our opportunity to praise God from whom all blessings flow, certainly the spiritual ones, but also the material ones. And this is our way to just recognize God as our good, good Father. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we declare together what we have sung at the beginning. He has won. Jesus Christ is our victor. And we celebrate the new life that we have in him through his death through his burial, through his resurrection, and the promise that he will come again. Thank you for just milestone moments for us as a church family and to celebrate with these 11 who've been baptized today. And may you take just the sacredness of this day, of this moment in their lives, and seal it deeply in their lives that it would just be with them forever. And God, too, we would just ask now, as we continue to worship, that you would go before us, that your presence would be with us, and we would sense your deep and abiding peace, whatever we may face. Now, as we worship through our giving, take these gifts as our gift of gratitude and love just back to you, and bless them and multiply them, not only in this church, not only in this community, but around the world. For your glory and your namesake, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
praise your holy name, Jesus. We declare that it is in your power that we stand. Amen. You can be seated. What great songs to sing right after uh, the baptisms, the song proclaiming the name of Jesus, and then Christ alone celebrating all that is ours as believers in Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I mentioned that Christmas is two months away, but you know what else? The election is just two days away. All right. All right. Uh, hold that applause. I think we'll... Uh... How's everybody feeling, huh? You know, actually, I thought, let's go ahead and take a survey, right? Informal polling right on the spot. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask who you're voting for, okay? So that's between you and WikiLeaks, okay? I am... Um... <laughs> Actually, I thought we would do a mood poll, okay? A mood poll of how everybody's feeling about the upcoming election. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to give you three choices. And when you see the choice on the screen that best fits how you're feeling, your attitude, go ahead and raise your hand, okay? Here we go. How many of you are pumped up? Can't wait, excited, fired up, love politics, all that. Raise your hands. Okay, I see those four hands. Good, okay. Um, how many of you are worked up, right? It's not, I can't wait. It's like, I can't handle it. You're stressed. You're worried about what might happen. Yeah, a few more hands, right? Pumped up, worked up. Do you know where this is going? The third one is fed up, right? I can't even, yes. Oh, I feel like I'm at a charismatic church. Yeah, that's a lot of hands, a lot of hands. This election cycle certainly has been unlike any other, right? Surveys tell us that in modern times, there have been nev never have been two competing presidential candidates that have had lower favorability ratings than the two we have right now, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. As a result, we have an electorate that is disturbed and distress, especially that last one, distressed. I'm not sure I've ever seen people more anxious about a presidential election than this one. Even among Christians, there is a genuine angst over wanting to do the right thing and yet not knowing what that right thing to do is. And so as a pastor, I've been thinking about, you know, how do we talk about this? How do we approach this, at least for those of us who call Hope Valley Church home? Now, because we are a church. We're not in the business of partisan politics, okay? So I'm not going to stand up here and go through the pros and cons of every candidate, although the word con is appropriate on several levels. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Wow, yeah. I will show more restraint in the third service, I promise. But I do think we can talk about the election from a faith perspective, at least when it comes to worry, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And today we're continuing on in our series on the Holy Spirit entitled God in Me. God in Me, where week after week we're looking into the scriptures and seeing that the Holy Spirit, who is God, lives within every one of us as Christians. That from the moment of our salvation in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells our life. And not only does he awaken us to new life, but he also empowers us 
to change and to grow toward a better life. It's what we talked about last week, a life where we, as we walk by the Spirit, are increasingly, over time, becoming more and more like Jesus in who we are, what we do, and how we love. God in you, God in me, this is the Holy Spirit in us. And so today, as we move on and talk about another one of the ministries that the Holy Spirit has in our lives, I gotta tell you, I continue to be amazed at how God, coincidentally, right, arranges what's going on out there with what we talk about in here. Because this morning, we're going to look at Scripture and see how the Holy Spirit longs to bring peace and comfort into our lives. Peace during the storms of life. Comfort during those times of fear and worry when they try to overwhelm us, right? So as much as I wanted to have a little fun at the beginning with the election and that informal poll, it would be foolish of me to ignore all the anxiety that some of you are feeling right now about the election. And so for you, whether it's both of the candidates or one in particular, you can't or you don't want to imagine what the future holds if that person gets elected. It has you knotted up inside. And in some sense, I don't blame you because everywhere we turn, it seems like the media, the, the commercials, the candidates themselves go out of their way to what? To stir things up and make you afraid, right? But you know what? Even if this wasn't election season, there's still enough else going on that gets us worried, right? School worries, job worries, money worries, debt worries, student loan worries, friendship worries, relationship worries, singlehood worries, marriage worries, parenting worries, grand parenting worries. You would think that as you get older, the longer you walk with the Lord, that all that would go away, but that's not always the case, is it? No, no matter the age, no matter the phase of life, we're all susceptible to anxious thoughts and paralyzing fear. Thankfully, though, we're not in this alone, right? We have an advocate, Jesus calls him, a helper, a comforter who is bigger, who is stronger, who is smarter than anything we'll ever face in this life. And this advocate is the Holy Spirit, God in us. And when we can understand and tap into all that he wants to be for us, even in the most overwhelming of circumstances, we will discover this abiding peace within that is unmatched and unrivaled by anything else that someone else or something else out there could possibly ever give us. So today we're going to dig into some Bible passages. We're going to see this supernatural spirit-filled peace and how it works. But before we get to that, I first want to spend some time thinking about why we even worry in the first place and what is really at the root of our worry now, I know I gave you a bunch of examples earlier about the kind of things that make us worry, money issues, people issues, things like that. But, you know, if you think about that a little more, I think all these things are more worry triggers than they are worry causes. Do you see the difference? Triggers, not causes. They may get us upset, but are they really the reason we are upset? Take money, for instance. If money really was a root cause of why we worry, then there should be, in theory, a certain amount of money that if we had that much, then we would no longer worry. But deep down, you and I know that's not really the case, right? And so whether it's a time for in your own life when you had more than you ever thought you would, or it's the stories you hear about even the very wealthy and their lingering discontent and insecurity, money itself, we know, cannot ultimately rescue us from worry and bring us the peace we're looking for. No, worry goes much deeper than that. As a matter of fact, and this might be an oversimplification, but I think the struggle of worry versus peace really boils down to how we answer these two questions. 
Who am I and where am I going? Who am I and where am I going? Who am I gets to the question of our core identity, the real me, how we think about ourselves and how we answer questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What are those things I believe will bring me meaning and fulfillment? Who am I? And then, where am I going? Which has to do with my future, which has to do with the direction of my life and the matter of my final destiny, and not just in this life, but also in the life to come on the other side of death. Who am I? Where am I going? And if these questions are unsettled in our lives, or if we try to address these questions with insufficient and inadequate answers, then it is guaranteed that we will go through life plagued by all kind of worry. Actually, let me take this a step further. Even if we do have sufficient answer, answers to these two questions, which, by the way, is the case for us as Christians, right? It's all that we just sung, that because of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, the promise of his return, right? Because of him, the question of our core identity is settled, and the matter of our final destiny is secure. We have answers to those questions in Christ. But even if those answers are sufficient, the challenge is this, that what we should know to be true of us as Christians isn't automatically the same as what we believe in the moment, right? What we should know, what is true for us as Christians, isn't always the same as what we believe in the moment. It's not, no, sometimes worry gets the best of us. It blinds us or at least distracts us from who we really are in Christ and the assurance that we will be with him forever. And when we lose sight of these precious truths, that's when we crack the door to anxiety for it to come barging into our lives and to take over our emotions. The struggle is real, but again, just like we've seen in this series, we are not alone in this struggle. God is with us, God is for us, and God is in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so one of his biggest roles in our lives is to remind us in these deeply powerful and personal ways of what we as Christians should know to be true of who we are and where we're going. Let me show you what I mean. Let's go ahead and look at some key passages from the Bible about this ministry of comfort and peace that the Holy Spirit wants to have in our lives. This first one actually begins with a passage we've seen before in this series, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Paul writes that when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise, Holy Spirit. The seal of the Holy Spirit upon our lives as believers is proof that we belong to God. We belong to God both now and forever. We are his, that just like the official seal of an ancient Roman emperor decreed that his word is final and can never be revoked, so too does the indwelling Holy Spirit affirm that God has the last word on our place in his forever family. That's what we saw in week one, but Paul goes even further with this next verse, one that we haven't looked at yet. Ephesians 1 verse 14, right? You are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory? See, the Holy Spirit is not only a seal confirming our core identity as Christians, but he is also a deposit. He is a down payment, Paul says, so to speak, guaranteeing our inheritance. That is our final destiny of sharing in God's eternal kingdom. We are, as it says here, God's possession. We belong to him now, and yet sometime in the future, we will be with him forever when Jesus comes back to this earth a second time for us. 
And there is nothing stronger in this world than the promise of God. And so even though our days on this earth might be filled with anxiety and uncertainty, this future destiny of ours is guaranteed because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now those verses right there are more than enough, but look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, verse 22, where Paul echoes this wonderful truth. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Stand firm. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, what? Guaranteeing what is to come. It's the exact same language, isn't it? The exact same terms that describe the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirit in us, again, as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come? The future, our future, a future that is not left up in the air, right? Or just, you know, matter of chance, even though it can feel like that at times. No, we can be hopeful about the future because we belong to God and he is in control. One of the most powerful ministries then that the Holy Spirit has in our lives is to keep on reminding us of this truth, of this reality, and to do so in such a way that it not only informs our heads, but it also encourages our hearts. And this passage is a great example of how we as Christians can approach our lives, where the promises of God give us strength for the problems of today. Can I say that again? Where the promises of God give us strength for the problems of today. Look at what Paul does here. He takes all these wonderful spiritual truths, these promises that are ours, and tells us that because of them, we can stand firm in the storms of life. Stand firm. Stay rooted. Remain grounded so that our biggest fear, our greatest worry is no match against the power of God and his presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit in us. He has the final say in who we are and what lies ahead for us. Isn't that great? Now, there's one other passage I want us to look at together, but before we do, I just want to pause for a moment and make sure you understand how significant this is. See, on the one hand, it is tragic to not have real answers that are big enough to handle those life's greatest questions, right? Who am I? Where am I going? And so for the person who does not look to Jesus Christ for those answers, who trusts in someone or something else, maybe even themselves. I'm here to tell you that the Bible says you will lose in the end. You will lose in the end, and that indeed is tragic because God offers his salvation as a free gift to all who are willing to humble themselves and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. That is the story of the people you saw baptized today, and it can be your story as well, to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and experience the blessing of his love and forgiveness. That's how it starts. But like I mentioned earlier, it's also tragic when people do have those real answers because of Jesus, but don't live like they do. And Christians who get so caught up in the worries of the moment that they lose sight of what they know to be real. You know, this, quite frankly, is the danger. It is the distraction of politics. It really is. See, the nature of politics and candidates and campaigns is one of urgency. Urgency. How many times have you heard this past week that this is the most important election of our lifetime? That if we don't act right now, that if we somehow make the wrong choice, then we're not only personally going to suffer, but that we're also responsible for ruining the future of our country and that of our children. Wow, that is a lot to carry. No wonder it's so easy to get swept up in it all. 
But I think of the words of Stephen Covey, right? He wrote the book a couple decades ago, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he makes the distinction between what is urgent and what is important, right? Urgent versus important. They're similar, but not the same. See, not all important things are urgent. Likewise, not all urgent things are important. And this is where we need to be careful of politics because they can feel so urgent, even though in light of eternity, they are not most important. Now, I've said this before. I'll say it again. The issue of politics matters, right? It really does. Laws matter. Freedom matters. Morality matters. Compassion matters. The respect of all people matters. And politics speaks to these things, right? And so just because we might be turned off by politics, it doesn't give us a pass to tune out from politics. I believe Christians should be engaged in the political process, and we should certainly exercise our right to vote. But there is a difference, right, between being engaged in versus being consumed by. Because politics matter, but only to a point. Only to a point because politics and politicians in the end, they cannot give us adequate answers to life's biggest questions. And so we need to put it all into perspective. And so for those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ here, I need to say this, that if you define your core identity more by your political party than by the person of Jesus Christ, you're doing it wrong. If you are consumed by your dislike of a particular candidate, what he or she has said or done or in your mind is trying to get away with, and you can't think of anything else, you're doing it wrong. If you're so afraid of this Tuesday's election and the results that might follow and what it means for the future, that it keeps you from loving God and loving people, then you're doing it wrong. If any of this is happening in your life as a Christian, then you are letting what is most urgent distract you from what is most important. And not only that, you are keeping the Holy Spirit from bringing the peace that he wants to give to your heart. Listen, because God lives in you, your primary core identity is not Democrat, it is not Republican, it is not independent. No, your core identity is that of a child of God. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You belong to him. This is who you are, and do not ever forget it. And not only that, because God lives in you, your greatest hope lies well beyond the political process. Your greatest hope is not found in being stronger together. You're not going to find it in making America great again either. Yes, politics matter, but only to a point. And so it's one thing to be involved. It's another thing to base your deepest hope on the promises of a political candidate for a better tomorrow. See, in the end, only Jesus can fix what's really wrong with this world. And he started that fixing when he first came 2,000 years ago. And the Holy Spirit in us is our guarantee that he's going to finish that work when he comes back to this earth again. And so it's this final destiny that should be the basis of our deepest hope, a hope that's going to protect us from getting swept up in the urgency of the moment. That's why this stuff matters. Well, like I said, there's one more passage I want us to look at. And as we do, let me also say this, okay? I realize I've talked a lot about the urgency of politics today, its ability to distract us from what's most important, but here's the thing. We are going to make it past Tuesday, all right? We really are. We are going to get past the election results whether we like them or not. Don't be fooled into thinking that once we get over that worry and anxiety, then we're somehow in the clear, right? We should know better than that. In life, there's always going to be something, someone that's going to try to rob you of the peace that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to your heart, to distract you from what you should know to be true of who you are and where you're going. 
And so if it's not politics, it's going to be something else, like money problems, like relational conflict, like lust or greed or envy or jealousy, you name it, right? And it's those moments of worry and fear that we need to turn to the Holy Spirit and let him speak truth, let him speak reality into our lives. Truth like this, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Bible says that it is the Holy Spirit who brings us into the family of God as his sons and as his daughters. And because we are now part of his family, we are no longer captive to fear. For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God, and by the same Spirit, Paul says, we cry, Abba, Father. Now you're looking at that, and just to make it clear, when Paul says Abba, he's not talking about a Swedish pop band, okay? I know that's what some of you are thinking, right? That'd be pretty weird, right? And yet the way he's using the word is actually just as strange for those first century listeners to the religious elite of the day. This word Abba is an Aramaic word. It means something like daddy or papa or some other intimate, affectionate term for a father. And yet here's Paul, this dignified, religious, respected church leader, using these words to speak of God, Abba, and Father, the Almighty God himself, the creator and sustainer of this universe. It was so absurd. No one in that day and age spoke of the Lord like that. But here's the Apostle Paul telling us as Christians that the Holy Spirit has brought us into this welcoming, affectionate, tender relationship with the God who created this world, with the God who created you. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There it is, right there, our core identity, that because of Jesus, we are God's children. As a matter of fact, this one reality about who we are is so important. The Holy Spirit makes it his main job to keep on reminding of this, reminding us of this to the deepest places of our souls. The Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. Actually, would you say that with me? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Listen, as Christians, we need to know this. We need to believe this. We need to build our lives on this, and we need to keep coming back to this again and again and again. Actually, I'd make all of us, like, make this our goal this week to memorize this passage. Write it down. Put it on your phone. Keep reading it every day. Say it over and over and over until it becomes part of who you are. The Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. Incredibly powerful truth. And I guarantee you that the more you come to know God better, the more this defines your core identity, then the more that you will experience the peace of God that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to your heart. It will happen, yet it doesn't end there. Verse 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Again, our core identity as children of God goes hand in hand with our final destiny. Remember back in Ephesians 1 when the Apostle Paul talked about our inheritance. Here it is again. We are heirs of God. We are co-heirs with Christ and all the blessings and the riches and the glory of his eternal kingdom. 
Those are ours, and whatever wealth or happiness you could possibly imagine in this life, it all pales in comparison to what awaits us as children of God and heirs to his kingdom. This is our future. This is our final destiny, one that is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. And yet, realistically, in the day-to-day mundane drudgery of life, this can be hard to hold on to. It can be hard to hold on to because it's not always our experience in the here and now. As a matter of fact, just like Jesus, our lives in this world can be riddled with suffering. That's part of life, this side of heaven. And sometimes that suffering can get so intense that it keeps us from remembering this truth. Where we're tempted to believe that the way it is now is the way it's always going to be. That's why we need to keep on looking back to the Holy Spirit to tell us what is real, to tell us what is true, even if it doesn't seem that way at the time. That's why the Apostle Paul can keep this outlook on life and encourages us to do the same. Verse 18, I'll close with this. He says, because of all this, then he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Listen, any politician, any pastor, anyone else who promises you a life free of suffering and pain this side of heaven, they're lying to you. They are. The glory of Scripture is that they not only, it not only gives it to you straight, not only tells you that the way things are, but it also gives you as a Christian perspective to keep on going and not give up. So Paul says, oh yeah, you are going to suffer in this life. It happened to Jesus, it will happen to you. God never promised that you wouldn't. But what he did promise is that when it's all said and done, that when you as, your beloved, as his beloved child reach your final destiny, he says, no, he guarantees that it's all going to be worth it in the end perspective. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. And it all comes down to this, your core identity, your final destiny. God answered these questions for you through his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. That is who you are. You are an heir to his eternal kingdom. That's where you're going, so let the Holy Spirit keep on reminding you of who you are and where you're going. Listen to his voice of truth. Look to him at all times, especially during the storm of lo- storms of life, so that he can bring you his peace, right? Now and forever. Let's pray together. And Father, we thank you for this truth telling, encouraging ministry that the Holy Spirit has in our lives to remind us of who we are in Jesus. That more than anything else, we are beloved sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father who is the Almighty, living, everlasting Lord. And God, because you reign over all, our future our final destiny. It's guaranteed. You've given us your Holy Spirit as a seal, as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance to what is to come. And so this life, though it brings us worry and anxiety and uncertainty, the end, we know how it's going to play out. So open our eyes, speak truth and peace into our hearts. And Father, we pray especially for those here today and whether it's the election or anything else, who are just riddled and knotted up 
with worry and anxiety? Would you free them? As the scriptures say, we're no longer bond, bond, in bondage as slaves in fear, but we are free as sons and daughters of the living God. And Father, we do. We pray for our nation. We pray for this election. We pray that your will would be done and that you would sovereignly and providentially arrange the affairs of our nation and God that we as dual citizens not just Americans, but also citizens of heaven, that we would know how to live out our responsibilities and to do your will every single day. So Lord, we thank you and trust and believe and thank you that you not only hold the future, but you also hold us. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we're going to close with a song, but before we do, I just want us to recognize one more time those who are baptized today. So if you're in here and you are baptized, could we have you stand? We want to recognize you. <laughs> Stay standing. We just are so thankful for your love for the Lord, for your courage to go public and say, Jesus Christ is my Savior, my Lord, and my life. It is such an inspiration to all of us. The rest of us could, could stand now and let's just respond in song.
and you are mine. This is the message of the Holy Spirit to us. For the Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. Next week, we'll talk about the ministry, the Holy Spirit, and leading us as we continue in our God and Me series. But as you go from here, may you be led by God's Holy Spirit in your life. God bless you.